You know, I often say, imagine a place where you go to work every day, you make a contribution to something bigger than yourself, you learn something new, you feel safe and are set free by a compelling set of values, and you go home happy. And really, that's our role as leaders, is to create that environment. Hello, and welcome to The Melting Pot. I'm your host, Dominic Monkhouse. The melting pot is a result of my hunger and curiosity for optimizing business performance, exploring corporate culture, customer addiction, and building high-performing teams. It's full of advice from my guests, entrepreneurs, fellow business authors, and examples from some of my work over the last few years, coaching the CEOs and leadership teams of some amazingly successful tech firms. The melting pot is my attempt to synthesize what I've learned along the way, to help you build a highly scalable business and realize the potential of your life's work. If you enjoy the episode, head over to monkhouseandcompany.com forward slash podcast to find today's show notes and more editions of The Melting Pot. While you're there, if you subscribe to the newsletter, you can pick up a copy of my new book, Plan B, How to Scale Your Technology Business Faster and Achieve Plan A. Enjoy. Hello, today I'm talking with Gary Ridge. Gary's the CEO of WD40, and so who amongst us doesn't have one or two or three cans of that in the garage for oiling and squeaky doors and removing rusty screws? But what you might not know is that WD40 is a great place to work, built on core values, built on strong principles. And so today I'm talking to Gary who, when he took over as CEO, really has transformed, transformed the business from an American manufacturer of WD-40 to a global supplier and manufacturer of all things oil and lubricant. We have a fantastic conversation talking about the, the values, purpose, and how that brings out the best, brings out the best in his team. A fantastic conversation. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. G'day, I'm Gary Ridge. I'm the probably wrong and roughly right CEO of WD-40 Company. I am here in San Diego, California, but my homeland is Australia. <laughs> Gary, it's a pleasure to have you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Why do you think, because I, I, it feels to me that your view of company culture is quite, is quite rare. Do you agree? or Evidence would show that, you know, the... I love what Aristotle said in 384 BC. He said, pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. And um, I'm amazed that most leaders don't realize that our role really is to create an environment where people actually like what they do. And if they like what they do, they'll do it better than if they don't like what they do. You know, I often say, imagine a place where you go to work every day, you make a contribution to something bigger than yourself. You learn something new. You feel safe and are set free by a compelling set of values and you go home happy. And really, that's our role as leaders is to create that environment. And so why, why is it so rare? Is that, because, is that because not all leaders enjoy what they do? Um, I think one of the, the big uh, challenges is ego. Um, I often say that organizations where ego eats empathy instead of empathy eating ego, um, you have an organization where instead of caring about the people, you're caring about yourself more. Uh, I invented a, a character called Al. Al is the soul-sucking CEO. And um, 
I actually, I actually have a uh, a doll um, that I made that is that is Al. Um, uh-huh. He he has some attributes that are, are fairly unacceptable. You know, Al is corporate royalty. He's always right. He never listens to others. He's not dependable. It's all about him. Uh, he blames everybody else. Um, and, and there's a lot of leaders who display those attributes, and that's what creates a toxic culture. Um, you know, I have a, a, an algorithm for culture. It says culture equals, and the equals sign means happens when, parentheses, values plus behavior, close parentheses, times consistency. So if you have an organization where you have a compelling set of values, you have leaders who are brave enough and love their people enough to firstly applaud great behavior and redirect inappropriate behavior, Mm -hmm. and you do that consistently, you will build a very strong culture. And it's the culture of the organization that will actually drive performance. That um, that redirecting inconsistent, you didn't say inconsistent, consistently redirecting inappropriate behavior, that it that's, uh, you know, you get the culture that you know, the thing that you ignore, it sets sets the tone for the culture. And you, oh, you've, you, you've, you've said you said it in your algorithm there as the as the opposite of that. It's it's hard, though, isn't it? It's simple, not easy. And time is not your friend. Um, when you think about it, it's, it is pretty simple. Uh, you know, um, Bob Chapman, who runs a company called Barry Weinmiller, says that mm. think about everybody in your company as someone's precious child. So, therefore, what are you going to do to help them be the best they personally can, they, they, they can be? You know, one of the things that we talk about, we don't have managers in our company. Nobody's called a manager. Everyone's called a coach. Why? Because the job of the coach is not to run onto the paddock and play it's to be on the sideline and observe the game and spend a lot of time in the locker room uh, helping the players play their best game. You know, in the book that I wrote with Ken Blanchard called Helping People Win at Work, our motto is, we're not here to mark your paper. We're here to help you get an A. Life's about getting A's. Our job as leaders is to help people get A's. Do you hire people who have, your, who have that attitude? Absolutely. Um, really, it's, it's about we hire first for values. If you go to our, our careers site, um, the first thing that pops up is our, 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 our values and it, and it talks about our values. And it basically says, if these don't align with your thinking, don't even call us because I can teach you to do Excel spreadsheets. But if you don't align with our values, if you're not here really to help people win, You know, the Dalai Lama said, our purpose in life is to make people happy. If you can't make them happy, at least don't hurt them. (laughs) Unfortunately, in business, people aren't making people happy and they're hurting them. And that's not right. That's not what we should do. It's not, it's not a human thing to do, let alone a business thing to do. Right. And and so what are the values, the values that you have at WD40 that, that could, that could repel people? Our number one value is we value doing the right thing. So some people don't want to do the right thing. And the right thing, you know, is not always easy. I'll give you an example of that. You know, we, um, we manufacture a number of products, not only the blue and yellow can with a little red top that you, many of your people are probably aware of. We have a line of products called WD-40 Specialist, which is, you know, which are other products. 
But in our products, we have a, we have a mandatory in the company that we will not have any cancer-causing chemicals in anything we make. So doing the right thing to us is being that. Now, we could make more money if we used chemicals that had Prop 65 warnings or carcinogenics in them. We choose to do the right thing and say we're not going to do that because our last value, because our values are hierarchical, the oh, last okay. value, our number six value is we value sustaining the WD-40 economy, which means you know, we respect profitability basically. And we're a US public company. So, you know, the, the people on Wall Street aren't necessarily, you know, that forgiving. That, you know, it's about what are you going to do for me tomorrow? So we could put these chemicals in and the products would perform and we'd make more money, but we wouldn't be doing the right thing. Which leads into our second value in the company is we value creating positive lasting memories in all of our relationships. So whether it's a relationship with our end user, a relationship with our customer, a relationship with a, a even a competitor, we're about creating positive lasting memories because our the why we exist at WD-40, here's our why statement. We exist to create positive lasting memories, solving problems in factories, homes, and workshops around the world. Our just cause is to make life better at work and at home. So, you know, these are the sort of conversations that we have with people around values. Um, we value doing the right thing, positive lasting memories. We value making it better than it is today. We value succeeding as a tribe and excelling as individuals because we sell it, call ourselves a tribe, not a team. Uh -huh. And the reason we do that is one of the, the biggest desires we have as human beings is to belong. You and I and anybody listening to this call have either left a party, an organization, or a relationship because they didn't feel like they belonged. Why do people leave companies? They don't feel like they belong. Why don't they feel like they belong? Because we don't treat them as if they do belong. You know, 64% of people would take a pay cut if they could, if they could fire their boss. Do you think <laughs> they feel like they belong? They don't. Yeah, well, and, and I think Gallup say 85% of employee, the employment experience is, is your team leader, your supervisor, or your manager. And it's that. It's just huge. It has a huge it impact is. on people. Well, we've been doing employee engagement surveys before they were even popular. We started them 22 years ago. We have a 93% employee engagement. 98% of our tribe globally say they love to tell people they work at WD-40 company. And 97% of our tribe members say they respect their coach, which translates basically into I respect my boss. Not like, but respect. And respect's yeah. a pretty strong word. Now, interestingly enough, over that period of time, we've had a compounded annual growth rate of total shareholder return of 15% a year. So our market cap's gone from $300 million to $2.7 billion, and we've 4X to revenue. And we only sell oil in a can. No, we don't. We're in the memories business. And where, how did you – I mean, this, most people know – the story of WD-40 and how it got its name, you know, that whole, you know, water dispersal number 40, blah, blah, blah. And now we started selling it and there's a whole load of things you do with it. But when, how did you get from that, which sounds like an, uh, an engineer tinkering in his shed or, or even a, a big company of engineers tinkering, how do you get from that to having, 
your just cause around, you know, happiness and change and, and creating memories. I mean, what they they did the two things weren't created on the same day. There must have been oh. some. There's some. There's some journey to get to get to that. Yeah, um, pretty simple. Unconsciously incompetent. So I needed people. Um, back when I got the opportunity, was given the privilege to lead the company back in 1997. We were 300 million or plus, plus or minus in market cap and less than 100 million in revenue. And we had a dream. Our dream was to take the blue and yellow can to the world. So what was my learning moment? Because I've never made a mistake in my life. I have learning <laughs> moments. I have learning moments. And a learning moment is a positive or negative outcome of any situation. But So my learning moment was micromanagement wasn't scalable. And how do we set up, a, how do we build a culture that, protected people and set them free globally. So I went back to school, I became CEO and I actually went back to school straight away and I did a master's degree in leadership. And I did that at the University of San Diego. And that's where I met my dear, now dear friend and, and my mentor, Ken Blanchard, the one minute manager who I wrote the book with. And I really um, engaged in the power of being a servant leader. You know, I said earlier when I introduced myself, I'm probably wrong and roughly right. The three most important words I ever learned in my life were I don't know, and I got very comfortable with that. And I said, if we can surround ourselves with people that, you know, really do enjoy what they do and bring competency to the table that, that we need, there's a chance that we'll get somewhere. And that was the start of the journey. And we started to play that way. And over time, we've built this amazing culture. It's not about me. I mean, I'm, it's not about me. It's the, it's the wonderful people in the company that make it happen. And that, so the, the company that I was going to say, the company you inherited then the the vision, the vision and the culture that the business has today are, are down to you. You inherited a hundred million turnover business and, and have made this business what it is today. I haven't. Uh, I gave people the opportunity to play, and uh, they played really well. So I didn't do it. Um, I, I'm not that smart. I couldn't have done it. But the people around me um, have made it happen. It's the tribe that made it happen. And and let me be clear, the company was a great company back then. It was different, though. I mean, it was 90% of its business was in the USA. Um, you know, we and the leadership before me had done a wonderful job cementing, you know, the core of the brand. But what we saw was a bigger world. Um, we said we can take, you know, I, I was convinced there were lots of squeaks in China and lots of rust in Russia. And we, and we were the boys and girls who could take care of that. But how were we going to do that? And is it's under your watch that they, you went from having the separate red straw to the cap that flips up so I can't lose the straw anymore. So thank you for that, Gary. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, the, that, that, the most annoying thing in the world is to pick up a can of WD-40 and realize you haven't got the straw anymore. Yeah, yeah. And interestingly enough, you know, that's one of the major innovations we've done. And the latest innovation is not only the, the flip-up straw, but the new one is called Easy Reach or Flexi Straw. It has an eight-inch metal bendable uh, straw on it. So if you're an auto mechanic, for example, we, we develop new delivery systems and products by doing something really, really simple. We listen to our end users. <laughs> so we go into workshops and we, we say, and we observe 
our heavy end users and we look for problems to solve. And one of the problems that they had was, let's say you had a car up on a hoist and you were replacing a, you know, an exhaust or a muffler or something, and you had a bolt that was at the top side of that manifold and you wanted to get some penetrant to it. If you, it's really hard to do. So we said, well, what about if we give you a, a product with a straw that you can actually um, bend? And they said, really, you could do that? So we came up with a thing called Smart <laughs> And of course, the power of radio is nobody can see the. I know. <laughs> nobody can see it, but that is that is fantastic. So now the guy's up on the hoist; he can bend this to where he wants to go, and he can get the right amount of product to the right place very quickly. So you know, we do simple things. We listen to our customers, and they tell us how they would like us to help make their life easy. Fab, and the how does the memories? Thing show up inside the organization? Well, it really comes from the core of the product. Uh, you have a positive lasting memory about WD-40. I know you do. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I probably and really, have half a dozen cans in the garage. Well, and really, it's interesting too today when you think about how the world's shifting around you know, being authentic, uh, look at e-commerce and how that's developing. If you've got a, an authentic brand, um, people uh, actually magnetized towards it. So early on, you know, I'd go through customs at Heathrow Airport and I'd, they'd say, what do you do? And I'd say, WD-40, ah, I remember when. <laughs> or, you know, I'd be on an airplane sitting next to someone and uh, what do you do? W I remember when. So I refle reflection on that is I remember myself when I grew up in Australia and, you know, in, in the late 60s, early 70s, my first car was a Morris Mini Minor 850 with an east-west motor, which meant that the distributor was at the front of the, the car. So, you know, I'd be out, you know, driving around in my little 850 and the rain would come and stuff would get in the distributor. I can still remember my dad saying, son, what you need to do is always have a can of WD-40 with you. When that happens, you take the distributor cough off, spray that in there, good to go. I remember that. I remember the smell of the product. I remember how it let me get to the date that I was going to because <laughs> I had a can of WD-40. So, you know, and everybody has that. I, I had an interesting message the other day. I, I, we've been working remotely, obviously, for now. This is our 32nd week, I think. Uh, we went remote when, when the world went topsy-turvy. But um, I got a letter uh, in the mail at the office and I, I was picking some mail up over there and I opened it and it says, you won't remember me, but, and I'd given a, a speech about a year and a half ago at a, a conference over in, uh, in Atlanta, I think it was. And in that I was saying to people, if you're working for an organization that aren't aligned with your values and you're not going home happy, you deserve to be happy. So find somewhere to work where you're happy because blah, blah. So this person said to me, hey, I want to tell you, I listened. I want to thank you. I've changed my life. I changed my job. I'm so happy now. My family's happy, you know. And by the way, when I was driving home the other night with my daughter, I called into a hardware store to pick up a can of WD-40 to do some work on my bike because now that we're locked up, I'm riding my bike more. And we're driving home and I said to my daughter, do you know what I just bought? And as she was peeling herself away from her smartphone, she said, I don't know, dad, some oil stuff. 
So when we got home, I'm, I'm work, working on the bike and my daughter's with me and I sprayed some WD-40 on a rag and I said to her, can you smell that? She said, yes, I can smell that. And I started to work and he said, you will never forget that smell all your life because you will remember the day that you and I worked together on this bike. And I thought, I just, I got goosebumps. Look, oh, again. man, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> there it is. And there's so many stories like that. There's so many stories. Like but you know what? As you were telling that story, I was thinking that that is the power of uh, happiness at work. It's that people don't go home miserable on a Friday. They go home happy on a Friday. That happiness impacts their husbands, wives, partners, pets, grandchildren, whatever it is, impacts the community. Because that, that happy, if people go home happy on a Friday, that that spills across the community all weekend long. And then they're delighted to come back to work on a Monday again. And, it, we often and it, say, yeah, we often say that happy people create happy families, happy families create happy communities, happy communities create a happy world. And by goodness, we need a happy world. Yeah. And how are your, um, how are your teams holding up working remotely? Cause I get, I guess, I guess you weren't remote only before. No, um, you know, we're certainly more remote now than we've ever been. Uh, I, I have a, you know, I, I made a list of um, all my learnings during COVID here. And, you know, I've, I've got a, a full list of things that I've, I've put together. And my first one was, um, in times of great and real need, we can pivot around fear, was one of my big learnings. And our people have pivoted around fear. One of the biggest fears we had was using all this virtual, you know, technology we have to be able to communicate together. You know, we'd just recently invested millions of dollars in a new facility in Milton Keynes, north of London, another one here in San Diego. We put all the latest, you know, virtual equipment in and people weren't using it. Why? Because they were afraid of being human. You know, it was, do I have to be perfect on this? Suddenly we were thrown into this situation We've got to learn to forgive people for being human, forgive ourselves for being human. And it's okay in a call like this if the dog barks or if someone comes <laughs> in and the cat walks across the table. So, you know, I would, I would be, I, would, I don't know how I would handle trying to lead an organization now with low employee engagement because, as we know, currently about 70% of people go to work in normal times and they're disengaged. Right now, those 70% are absolutely you know, drastically disengaged. And our team have come together. They've held up really well. We've built, we've collaborated, we have fun. Um, you know, we have some of the best laughs and some of our, what I call Brady Bunch calls, where you've got all the little boxes of people on the, on the screen. Um, but, you know, there's some learning. We've got to communicate more. We've got to be real. We've got to be humble. You know, we've got to reach out to people. We've got to you know, have a pragmatic optimism. We've got to pivot. We went through a four-stage process when this first started. It was called Stabilize, Secure, Reset, and, th and Thrive. Uh -huh. So our first thing was Stabilize the business, and we had three objectives. The number one objective was the safety and the well-being of our tribe. That was number one. Number two was staying connected with and servicing our customers and our vendor partners. And number three was ensuring we maintained our business infrastructure so we could thrive when all of this passes us, because this too will pass. But I, I am devastated by the way this has hurt a lot of people, but I am grateful 
for the learning it's brought us at WD40 Company. We are going to be stronger than ever before when we come out of this completely because we've learned to have more empathy. We've learned to be better communicators. Um, there's so much that we, we've learned. We've come together as a tribe, um, you know, and I'm so proud and humbled to be you know, considered the leader of this tribe. They are an amazing group of people. And uh, Gary, do you, do you manufacture in each country? We manufacture in, mo- in a lot of countries. Yeah. We, ha- we outsource our manufacturing. So okay. we have about 13 or 14 uh, manufacturing partners around the world. We have four in, um, four in the US. We have uh, four in Europe, two in the UK, and, in, and two in Central Europe. Uh, we have three in China, one in Australia, uh, one in Mexico. So we try to manufacture cl- as close to our yeah. end as we can. Because it, it's a bul- make- bulky product. Yeah, well, yeah, we, and we, we make the secret sauce. Um, still, the this is a secret formula. The blue and yellow can, the 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 core product, um, we make this concentrate. It's a bit like Coca Cola, uh-huh. and we ship we ship that secret sauce to the packages around the world, and then they put it in a can, add some other stuff, aerosolize it, or put it in you know another delivery system. And then that goes to our 3PL warehouses and we manage the product from there out to our customers in 176 countries around the world. And so did you have, did you, was your supply chain impacted? Did you, I mean, because uh, I mean, I, I'm guessing sales went up. Did sales go up during lockdown or to some, to some groups and not others? So two questions there was our, our, our supply chain was stressed. Um, and what I mean by that the the some of the regulations that were put in place caused it to be stressed. So you know people had to distance more. It slowed things down. There are some components that were under uh, under a higher demand than others. For example, triggers on a on a on a trigger of a of a bottle. You know the the sales of of cleaning products went through the roof. Now, as far as we're concerned, where people were able to buy our products, we were doing reasonably well. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, in, in the U.S., um, most of the distribution channels that we sell through were deemed to be essential so people could buy our product. Uh, our e-commerce business is just thriving right now. You know, you can get lucky sometimes. About three and a half years ago, we decided to make a substantial investment in raising our digital IQ within the company and really upping our e-commerce assets Thank God we did that, um, and you know our e-commerce business has just gone crazy because people couldn't buy stuff. And then in markets where where, where people are doing more, for example, uh, in Europe, uh, the DIY activity went up between seventeen and twenty-four percent because people are locked down at home, and now that thing that bothered them that they were going to fix sometimes bothered them more because they saw it all the time and they had time to do something about it. Um, the other thing that's interesting too, millennials have moved into the DIY category <laughs> where they weren't in there before. Our cycling business, we make a range of cycle uh, maintenance products is up 55% because people are riding more bikes. However, in countries where lockdown has continued or it's not DIY, it's do it for me. Mm-hmm. And those are countries in, in Asia, outside of China, but Malaysia, Indonesia, you know, the Philippines, um, they haven't come back as strong. Uh, some of the um, 
European uh, countries, you know, Russia and others haven't come back as strong. But where we were able to be purchased, we, we were doing reasonably well. Good stuff. Um, the I've just got I was thinking back to the culture piece because I, I was I was thinking there as you were talking. Sometimes people, when I talk to them about values and purpose and coaching, you know, they feel as though it's the soft stuff. And as you and as you were talking, uh, you know, that you hard commercial numbers were just there at your fingertips. And so I just thought I'd ask you that, you know, what do you feel when people say, oh, that value stuff, that purpose stuff, you know, feelings all sounds a bit wishy-washy. Well, I call it the will of the people. And here's, an, here's another algorithm for you. Let's say we scored our strategy from one to 100. So let's say our strategic effective score was, was 80. We had a pretty good, we had a Pretty good strategy, given that strategy is never never going to be perfect. And let's say the will of the people or the employee engagement was 20. 20 times 80 is 160. So you're getting 160 va- worth of value out of your people and your strategy. But what happens if the will of the people or your employee engagement was 80? 80 times 80, 8, 8 is 64, 6,400. 6, so Drucker said that culture eats strategy for breakfast, I say culture makes breakfast a big meal. Mm -hmm. You've got to have both. You you can't do it if the will of the people isn't there. So it's a balance between being tough-minded and tender-hearted. You know, most – it's people, purpose, values, strategy, execution, and learning. And as I said earlier, we're a learning organization. We don't make mistakes. We have learning moments. And a learning moment is a positive or negative outcome of any situation that has to be openly and freely shared to benefit all people. So we're a true learning organization. We never know it. So perhaps one of the things we could we could dig into just a little bit to give people some sense of what, what you do at WD40. How do you how do you build a psychological safety so that people are prepared to admit their mistakes? Well, I think there are four pillars, care, candor, accountability, and responsibility. So the first one is care. If you come to work at WD-40, I'm going to care about you, which means ego, which means I care about you, will be in front of e- – sorry, ego, which means I don't care about you, will be behind empathy, which means I care about you. And empathy means I, I want, your success is more important than my success. The second one is candor. No lying, no faking, no hiding. I believe most people don't lie. I believe people fake and hide. Why do they fake and hide? Because they're afraid. Why? Because failure is put out as being the thing you do better not do. Well, we don't do that. We don't have failure. We have learning moments. So that's really important. Accountability. The main reason we let people down is because we're very unclear of what we expect from each other. So we're very clear. Here's what I expect from you. Here's what you can expect from me. And let's both of us be responsible for that. Let's have that conversation. And the third one is responsibility. Are you going to hold yourself responsible to live up to the values of the company? And then you do it all the time with transparency and, you know, and honesty. So, you know, it's, it's that circle of safety that you build up over time that allows people to be vulnerable. You know, we're just, at the end of the day, 
we're just basic human beings bumbling our way down this this <laughs> track of life, right? And we bump into stuff all the time. You know, it doesn't have to be complicated. We try to we camouflage issues with confusion sometimes to make out how damn smart we are. And it's not that hard. It's not that hard. What's your success rate in hiring? You, or retention may be a better one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, just, I was just thinking, you know, you've got that, you've got your values and your purpose. And, and you know, I know Zappos do their sort of, you know, they pay people at the, you know, offer people at the end of four weeks if, if when they've Too arrived. Grand, not, they can leave. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, just, I just wondered whether you fine-tuned your recruitment process, you know, so that you're, you know, you're getting people to six months or 12 months with, with some high degree of, of certainty. Yeah, we well. Firstly, you know, we we hire slow. It's it's. I was saying to um, one of our organisational development team tribe members the other day. Gosh, thank goodness I don't have to apply for a job at WD Forty these days. I'd never get it the way the, the rigor we put. <laughs> <in before. laughs> and the the rigor is not about competency. It's about fit and organisational fit. Um, so it's really important. And you know, we have a very high retention. Although seventy percent of our development positions are filled internally. Um, So we do a lot of internal development. Um, So that's really important to us. And it's interesting. I love asking this question. You know, a few months into people joining the company, they'll usually hear from me and I'll ask them this question. So what did we lie to you about as they were coming through the process? And I've, you know, and in most cases, they say you lied to us because it's better. It's the culture's better than you told us it was. Ah, okay. Yeah. And what's really great about our company too is, you know, we've, we've over the years, we have um, established a, a reputation of being a values based organization that cares about our people. When we go out to hire, the line is long. Um, uh huh. I wrote an article some time ago, and in the end of it, I said, you know, you better treat your people right because they may be coming to knock on our door if you don't. Well, you know what? It's funny. I, I did uh, chat to somebody recently, and I said, I don't believe there is a war on talent. I think the war on talent is a myth perpetuated by employers who aren't very good to work for, right? And so, you know, you've just, <laughs> you just said you've got a long line. And every great company I speak to has no challenge with hiring. Right. Exactly. It's interesting. You, you, I know you interacted with my, um, my assistant, Holly. Yeah. Um, she, she joined us about uh, three or four years ago. And, and in the interviewing process, you know, I, I only got to, to look at the, the final two or three, and she was one of them. And I think we had 145 people apply for the job. Can you imagine 145 people want to work for me? My <laughs> But anyhow, somebody, in, in, somebody lied about who you were. Yeah. But in, the, in my interview with her, I said, so Holly, you know, why are you here? She said, I made up my mind three years ago. I was going to work for WD-40 company. I've just been waiting for my job to become available. Oh, how many times had she applied? Is this the first time she'd applied? Yeah. Cause my other assistant yeah. retired after 30 yeah. years. Um, she said, I, I knew I was, this is where I was going. I was, I, and I just waited for the, and she made it through the process. I mean, there was 145 applications. She got down to the final five. She ended up in the final two. So, but she said, I'd made up my mind that this is the company I wanted to work for. And is that because you, 
do you dominate the town you're in or the city you're in as an employer of choice? No, 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 not at all. We're just a we're a little company. We're not a big, very big company. Okay, that's brilliant. It's because we're a great place to go to work for most. Well, yeah, WD forty is a great place to work, but it's not for everybody. Um, but again, you know, we we do have a we punch you know higher than our weight as far as a company that has high values and cares for its people. Well, it's interesting because you've got you've got the opposite challenge of many businesses, haven't you? You've got that long line of people who want to come and work for you because they know you care. But underneath that is you've got high expectations of the people that you that work for you and that you hire because you're oh. a com- you're a successful commercial enterprise, and so often people's expectations of you know that that, that if you like their their view of your business might well be clouded by this. Oh, they're a great place to work. That'll be an easy job. As opposed to, they're a great place to work. This is going to be a really hard place for, you know. I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to work hard. Well, I don't know that achieving is hard. I think achieving is rewarding. We we celebrate our successes. We we want to win. You know, one of our tribal attributes is we are warriors, and our we call ourselves a tribe, not a team. And our definition of a tribe is a group of people who come together to both protect and feed each other. And we're not going to feed too many people if we are not successful. So here it's not about just holding, you know, hugging and kumbaya singing lessons on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. We, we, we are an organization that is extremely proud of our success because our number six value is we value sustaining the WD-40 economy. So if we sustain the WD-40 economy, what's the outcome of a very strong and vibrant economy? All the constituents in that economy benefit. So we know that we want to be a great place to work, but also we want to have great results because everybody benefits. We share it amongst everybody. Yeah. Gary, that's magic. Um, if there is that, if you think back over, uh, I guess, over your life, over your career, and this could be personal or or business is—is is there something you now know that you wish you'd known, wish you'd known earlier? Yeah, um, I wish I'd known the power of the three three words. I don't know. <laughs> and I, when I got, when I understood the power of those three words, it was so empowering. And that's why I say, in most situations, I'm probably wrong and roughly right. Well, it's your your um, your Al doll. Uh, has has it has a T-shirt on him, doesn't it? It says A t- type A, and that that sort of it, it's um, and is that a big tongue? Is that because he talks a lot? Yeah, he's got a big yeah. mouth. <laughs> he can't ever shut up. And he, loves, say, he loves the sound of his own voice. And that that sort of you know ego versus what did you say the opposite was? Ego versus empathy. Yeah, empathy. yeah, that you know fascinating. You know, amazing servant leadership, so powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. So on your website, Gary, thelearningmoment.net, you've got you've got a fantastic selection of inspiring books. Um are, could what's your do you have a do you have a top three or a must read three? Yeah, I think the book that everybody should read every year is Everything You Need to Know You Learn in Kindergarten by Robert Fulgram. 
And if you, <laughs> if you take those those lessons like say please and thank you, pick up after yourself, don't go out at night without a friend, clean up, you know, everybody in the world should have cookies and, and, and milk at three o'clock in the afternoon. If you just took those basic principles and applied them to business, you'd be successful. So I think the number one book, the one I love is, is that. Uh, two and three would be hard. I love Simon Sinek's latest book, The Infinite Game. Um, yeah. I think, you know, a lot of organizations try to play the finite game and the infinite game is the one you should play. Uh, I think that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and, and do you, do you get a sense, do you get a sense that that's the game that you're playing at WD40? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we we need to build an enduring business over time. We're, we're playing the infinite game. We're not here to win. We're here to, to play the game. So, and, and so, and so is, what's your role then as the CEO? Is your role to replace yourself? Um, I'm very replaceable. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, people say you're going to retire. So no, I'm never going to retire. I'm going to refire. Um, that's what it's all about. Um, but yeah, of course there will be succession in the business. It, it, there has to be over time. I'm not, I'm not afraid of that, but, uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned, I don't have a job. I have a purpose. Uh-huh. My purpose in life is to make people happy. If I can't make them happy, at least I'm not going to hurt them. And I'm very fortunate that I can do that in a commercial sense. And that, that statement was one of the Dalai Lamas. I read that on an aeroplane flying from Los Angeles to Sydney probably 29 years ago. And I said, you know, I think I like that. I could live by that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it's not easy because you'll find yourself catching yourself inadvertently doing things but it's it's a fantastic uh, oh, yeah. touchstone yeah you know i i work as human beings we're clumsy you know we will trip up all the time but you know marshall goldsmith is a really dear friend of mine and and you know he he has this process called the daily questions where you ask yourself these questions did i do my best too it's not did I do my best, but did I do my best too? And one of them is, did I do my best to find meaning today? And to me, finding meaning is, is feeling good about the things that I do. And, you know, I ask myself that question every day. But another one is, uh, did I forgive today? You know, did I do my best to forgive? Did I do my best to um, let it go? Um, and you've got to continue to do that. The third book, that, that, that'd be a toss up. Uh, the, the one minute manager that, that, uh, Ken wrote's great. Uh, uh, Chester Elton's new book is fabulous. Um, which is leading with gratitude. Uh, I love Michael Bungay Stainer's book, um, the coaching habit. He's got a new one out called the revive, uh, the advice trap, but I love the coaching habit. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, there's a lot on there. Uh, I'm reading another no, one right now. It's called "Why Are We Yelling?" Um, okay, it's about uh, it's about having crucial. It's a bit a bit of an extension of having crucial conversations, but it's called "Why Are We Yelling?" And is, is it is that picking up this uh, the theme where you know the world is, seems to be becoming more polarized? It's really about the three reasons why we have conflict with people. It's either because of the head, i.e., we have a lack of knowledge because of our heart, which means we're kind of offended, or because of our hands, because practically we're, we're not capable. And, and we get into these conversations and, and arguments around those three elements. And it's, it's pretty interesting. It's uh, oh, okay. it made me think. There we will stick with that. Or that's the third one we'll stick on the list then. Okay. 
but we'll but we'll put a link to uh, the rest of the books on to your to your website in the show notes so people can read your bookshelf. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> Gary. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you very much indeed for for being on the melting pot. Ah, it's been a delight. It's great to be here with you. And um, you know, we we have a job to do as leaders. Uh, we can make the world a better place, and uh, we just have to really understand it's all about the people. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you'd be kind enough to leave a review, it will really help other like-minded entrepreneurs find this podcast and grow our community. For all information relating to this episode, you can go to monkhouseandcompany.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find some cracking show notes, additional reading and links relating to our guest. There you can also find my blog and past episodes of my subjectively not crap newsletter, where I'll update you on the best articles I read that week, some recommended books and other podcasts. Thanks, and I will see you next week.